Thank you for joining us for this episode of SIFMA's podcast series. I'm Ken Benson, SIFMA's president and CEO. The emergence of COVID-19 in the first quarter of 2020 caused severe shocks to the economy and the capital markets. The market turmoil is evidenced by sharp price declines, yet spikes in volumes in equity markets, which closed the first quarter with their worst performance since the financial crisis. Volatility is measured by the CBOE's volatility index, or the VIX, has reached historic highs. While the VIX has started to come down, it remains elevated. Today, we're going to ask, is the worst of the market route behind us? I'm joined by Katie Colchin, CFA and Director of SIFMA's Research Team, and Torsten Slott, Chief Economist and Managing Director at Deutsche Bank Securities. Both have dug into the data behind the VIX and have some quite interesting insights. Katie and Torsten, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, let's, let's lay some groundwork to start our discussion. Torsten, can you explain why the VIX is such a reliable indicator of market sentiment? Yeah, so VIX is essentially an indicator derived from options prices about what people expect 30 days into the future. So one way of thinking about the VIX indicator is to think of it as an expression of what are the standard deviation of views? In other words, how diverse are the views? Do people all agree that we're going in the same direction? Or is there a wild disagreement among market participants in terms of where we're going? So when the VIX is high, that shows that there is significant disagreement about which direction we're going in. And when VIX is low, that means that generally everyone agrees that we're going in the same direction. So in that sense, it's a very important indicator for telling us what are expectations to where markets think that we're going here in the short term. So with the markets, I, I, would, I would importantly note that, you know, have remained opening and function, uh, functioning as intended, uh, but they underwent an extreme period of volatility. So that volatility was reflected, notwithstanding markets being open. Absolutely. So uh, markets were definitely open and, and we can discuss, and I know you have done a lot of work on how much liquidity there was in different markets and which markets didn't really function the way that they normally should and that we would like them to. Uh, but the, the answer certainly is that um, markets were open and things were, uh, it was possible to trade in many markets. In some cases, bid offer spreads might have been wider, but the VIX indicator was clearly flashing red in, in late March and early April. We were very high levels where it was clearly telling you that there was a lot of people that were in uh, different agreements and different levels of agreement about where we were going. And this expression of um, disagreement came up in the VIX indicator in the form of some people making significant bets that we will go uh, wider in, or, or, if you will, down in equities and other people thinking that we will go up. So, so that's why the VIX ultimately became one way of gauging whether markets were getting better or getting worse day by day. So Katie, you just published a report that compares the VIX today to the global financial crisis and other uh, high watermarks. As you so aptly titled the report, it's been a wild ride. Can you walk us through your analysis? Yes, thank you, Ken. Um, so the March 16th peak of 82.69 surpassed the VIX's previous high of 80 during the global financial crisis. For comparison, we started with the VIX at 12.47 on January 2nd and an average in January of 13.94. Both of these are below the average throughout 2019, which was around in the 15 level. Volatility started increasing in February with an average of 19.63 and a peak of 39.16. And then we spiked in March where the average was 57.74 for the month. And again, the peak was in March at 82.69. 
Now we've seen levels subside throughout April and you know we're down around the 32 level at the time of this discussion, but that's still quite high. For example, um, 44.2 was the average for April. And again, I mentioned to you, we were only in around the 15 level for all of 2019. So we're still significantly elevated, particularly compared to historical nine market periods. So maybe it would be a good idea to sort of dig in a little deeper on that of how the COVID-19 volatility compares to uh, previous periods. Torsten, you have thoughts on that? Yeah, so what's interesting about also what uh, Katie is saying is exactly that uh, when you look at how the growth rate in the number of new cases of COVID uh, around the world, then you can compare in a very simple picture, two lines. One line is the VIX which of course went up a lot as Katie just described, and now it's beginning to come down. We're only around the 30, 32 level, so we're not quite back to where we were in the, on average in 2019. But that chart and that line is actually very highly correlated with the number of countries that have growth rates in the number of coronavirus cases of more than 5% on a daily basis. In other words, we're beginning to see a slowdown in the growth rate in the number of countries that have high levels of growth in the number of people that have coronavirus. So that means that ultimately you should expect to see market volatility be correlated with what's going on in terms of the virus beginning to subside. That's not to say by any means that the virus problem is solved, but the intensity of the virus in markets and globally is beginning at least to subside and get into the background. And that's a very important indicator in our view for what we should expect to see, namely VIX to continue to move lower. And by historical standards, uh, they move higher up into the 80s, as Katie described. Uh, we have just never, ever seen that before. This was higher than what we saw during the financial crisis. So it is highly unusual that we, over such a short period of time, saw such a significant amount of distress in financial markets. So by that measure, Ken, to your good question, things today were much, much speedier in terms of the deterioration in markets. And of course, because everything that the Fed and fiscal policy did, we have managed to bring things down. But ultimately, VIX and volatility in financial markets will be driven by the virus and whether the virus curve is flattening out. And thankfully, globally, the virus curve is flattening out uh, around the world. And that is giving us confidence that we should continue to see VIX move lower over the coming weeks. And Katie, what, you know, what, what, what have you shown in your analysis? So to follow that um, pattern, first I'll just say what we found was it was quite clear that the COVID-19 market stress has been much worse than other, any other period. We went back to the 90s, which of course the US was in a recession in 1990. You peaked at 47 at the VIX. Then um, in 97-98, you had the Asian financial crisis and the Russian ruble crisis, which led to the demise of long-term capital management, the large hedge fund. And we peaked at 45.74 during that crisis. Then of course, in the early 2000s, we had the scandals at WorldCom and Enron, and then followed by the bursting of the dot-com bubble. Again, the peak was only at 45. So as Torres was saying, getting up to the 80s, I mean, we saw that at one point we got up to 80 during the financial crisis. But what's really interesting when you compare to the big one, the global financial crisis, where we never thought we'd see volatility at these levels again in our lifetime, um, the global financial crisis had a much longer time period. It took a while to bubble up. We got to those levels and then took a long time to settle back down. But I think we're giving the edge here to COVID-19 because it's been a much shorter time period for this VIX to spike to the same level as the global financial crisis in a much shorter time frame. 
Well, and as and I'd note, and, 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 and Torsten, you kind of got into this a little bit as well, I think, in talking about how the changes in different jurisdictions based upon the, the, the curve um, is these are two different crises, right? I mean, the, the financial crisis was a true you know, financial crisis where this is not a financial crisis. This is a, a pandemic that's created a, initially a, a liquidity crisis, maybe a confidence issue. Uh, but you know the cause and, and recovery will be much different. Uh, how do you see that you know sort of playing out over the long run, or, or does the VIX tell us anything uh, on how that plays out over the long run? Yeah, I think that's really important, Ken, because I mean there are two dimensions where we sit today, and as we look ahead, I mean the first thing is exactly this issue that this so far has to a large degree been a liquidity event. It hasn't really morphed quite yet into a solvency event. The longer time this lasts and the longer time, of course, we will have uh, the lockdown around and the longer time the unemployment rate will remain high, those will be the drivers of whether this moves from a liquidity crisis into a solvency crisis. But generally speaking, and this is the second point where we sit today, given, and as Katie just mentioned, if you think about some of the events that we went through in history, whenever we've had high levels of VIX, I mean, it's actually quite impressive how resilient the financial system has been over the last one or two months. We have not had any major headlines in terms of anything in the financial system to the degree that we had in previous events when VIX has gone up. So in that sense, the financial system has been quite resilient and actually been able to withstand this uh, quite violent and by many measures record high turbulence that we've been through. So the bottom line still is where we are now that um, the, 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 the global economy is still now trying to come back on its feet after this significant hit that we've taken as a result of the virus. But the financial system and the financial sector actually has done um, incredibly well, at least from that resilience perspective, compared to some of the events and episodes that we've been through before that Katie described. And, and as you know, you talked about a little bit earlier, you, you've charted out, you know, uh, in different countries based upon peaks and infection rates uh, in excess of 5% and where that's, you know, flattened out. Do you, uh, um, do you anticipate there'll be a correlation uh, in those jurisdictions going forward, assuming that they are, you know, that they their infection rates stay relatively correlated? That the, the absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and those because those those countries where the curves flatten out should also see their economies come back first, and they should also see their financial markets stabilize first. That's why a significant risk in this debate is this very simple discussion about. Okay, but will people follow the social distancing guidelines? Uh, if people don't follow the social distancing guidelines, we risk that we will have a curve that in the worst case might really accelerate on the virus front because we are generally speaking, Ken, to your good question here, we're generally battling a number of different wars. We're battling a war trying to flatten out the virus curve. We're also trying to flatten out the economic curve with both fiscal policy and monetary policy. And finally, we also are battling on a third front trying to stabilize financial markets so they don't magnify the original problem that stores are closed and corporates are not seeing the revenue that they normally see. And those different areas, it becomes very important that the key driver of everything to your good question is exactly whether the virus curve is flattening out. So it really does come down to something as simple as, are people following the social distancing guidelines? Are people washing hands? Are we seeing basically a lot of things that will still argue for the curve flattening out? Or are there risks in certain states or in certain countries that we might see a reacceleration? Because if that's the case, then we have to go back to square one and think about what does that mean for the economy and what does that mean for markets? So the report from SIFMA Insights and Torsen's charts are, are available on SIFMA's website, www.sifma.org. 
And while you're there, I encourage you to explore our other resources to promote effective and resilient capital markets. Torsten and Katie, I want to thank you all for spending some time with us today. And, and thank you for uh, uh, providing the material. And uh, thank our listeners uh, for being here as well. And again, please visit our website at uh, www.sifma.org uh, for this information and more. Thank you very much.